What's going on, everybody? You've got the card board coaches here with your boy, Coach Co. And I am once, twice, three times, four times a cartel. And at this point, I think maybe Coach Co. We should uh, possibly consider a cardboard coaches Patreon where our listeners and viewers will consider hooking us up with some spare change for coffee because we need it because we are, we're going at it, Coach Co. We're on a pace here, buddy. Yeah, I think this is like four and seven days, but uh, a lot of fun guests and we're joined by one today, Mr. LAFC Gooner. Miles, how are you doing today, man? Good, how are yourself? Uh, I'm good. Uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, this is... uh, Jan, Jan 1, 2023, starting the, the year off right. What are you saying? It is New Year's Day. Uh, we are here with the Gooner. Uh, now help a brother out, help a cartel out. Uh, give us a little background into your name. And uh, and give us a little background into, into uh, what you do, what you collect, what you love, what you're all about. Yeah. Um, all right. So my Instagram handle is lafc.gooner. Uh, I live in LA. I support an MLS. Well, I picked up an MLS team called LAFC. They started maybe about, I think it's five years on the dime now. So I always wanted to root for an MLS team. I picked one up. Here we go. And Gunnar's slang for being an Arsenal fan. So, yeah. Oh, right uh, yeah. I was uh, I was hoping that you were going to ask what a Gunnar was. And I, I'm, I'm surprised you even pronounced it correctly. I was like, I was like, he's yeah. going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Yeah. Gunnar is, uh, it's like slang for like Gunner because uh, the Arsenal stadium was an ar- armory. So it used to be an nice. armory, like with cannons. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Massive club in the EPL. Yeah. By the massive. way, you guys are still holding out first place pretty nicely. Just, I'm, I'm as shocked as you are, man. Yeah, yeah. Fingers <laughs> crossed. I mean, Gabriel Jesus went down, and I was like, oh, man, here, now we got to see. Now we got to see. But, I mean, in two games, you guys still look sharp. It's Odegaard, man. It's Odegaard. Oh, man. He looks, I he get looks this so feeling good. at the end of this podcast, not just going to be the cartel who comes out of it with a lot more knowledge and possibly an, uh, a hankering for buying some Topps Chrome soccer. Hey, yeah, I hope go. so. Yeah, I so, hope so. Eminence, maybe like a case of eminence. I don't know. Bro, you, I don't know. You got that kind of money laying around, man. You're talking about did, struggling to buy coffee. Did you guys, did both you guys watch the Mint Ink break by any chance? Because I didn't watch it, but I saw the results. No, I haven't. It's pretty wild. There was a Pele in there. It's pretty wild stuff. Man, some of the stuff that comes out of eminence, actually, I mean, a lot of the stuff that comes out of eminence, it's the reason why the box is so goddamn expensive. It's probably, it's probably one of the, like, Dollar for dollar on the market right now, I'd say it's probably one of the best breaks on the market. If you had the money, yeah, I, the product looks way better than I thought it did. Yeah, way better. No, I, I agree with you, and I mean most of the the autos are on card, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, and like how the how the checklist breaks down, I think it's about like a one in three chance to get a Messi, which kind of like blew up because you know obviously it's the World Cup winning year, so like a one in three chance to get a Messi that goes for like eight to twelve grand out of a. 15 16 grand box that's that's pretty good that's yeah pretty i mean good. there's the like record. there's very few products you're gonna open and get an opportunity to like f- get 50 percent back do you know what i mean like legit yeah. like i mean find me a product on the market right now where you're gonna get 50 percent back it's as a non-soccer guy it seems like it's one of those products that it's fun to check out not 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 necessarily purchase and get involved with but it's fun to check out um mm. you know what's going on with that product i think that's uh that's super cool from the outside perspective, but we're, uh, we're interrupting miles here. Let's, let's get back. I'm interrupting. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've been in the hobby for about, geez, 
like 20, at least 20 years now. I've grown up, uh, I grew up with Magic the Gathering when I was maybe yes. about like eight or nine years old. The sports car, the, the card store that I went to was a split between Magic the Gathering and a sports card shop. And they didn't actually transition full into a TCG shop until maybe about like 2006, 2007. So I pretty much grew up in that little like kind of split world kind of thing for a long time. So I got a lot of the overlap. I got to see when like Ultimate Collection first came out. I got to see when Exquisite first came out, when they started rolling out the cup, you know, like how the card industry changed versus like, I got to see it side by side, right? But, you know, I was a kid and um, for the most part, I bought and sold magic cards all the way through college into my early 20s. And I got pretty deep into it. I was a pretty decent little backpack dealer. I would travel from like, um, my friends are in like Taiwan and Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan. And what I would do back then is I would take advantage of like arbitrage between countries. Like some decks are more popular in certain countries than others, or like people would want English cards more in um, in Asian countries rather than their own native languages. Kind of like little, little dinks and donks like that go back and forth. So I got to learn a little bit more of the international landscape. It's a grind. Uh, I got a I got a big boy job, went to corporate, took a break for a while. And um, the sports card market was heating up. I took a look in and I ended up deciding to jump into soccer, saw some opportunity. And uh, here I am. Some now, story. you also you also collect hockey, correct? Yeah, I uh, am a huge hockey fan. Grew up in San Jose. Uh the sharks were so bad in the early years that um, they were giving away tickets as like uh, as an elementary school kid, you could do a book report in San Jose and they'd give you free tickets uh, to go to the game. Yeah. Cause we were in San Jose what? and the sharks were playing up in the cow palace. So it's maybe about like 30, 45 minutes out of the city. It's before they built the H uh, the SAP center. Yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> they would give away free tickets. They couldn't sell out for years. So uh, basically all like third, fourth, fifth grade, I would go to like 10, 15 sharks games a year. And ever since then, lifelong fan. That's incredible. Also incredible marketing on their part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they hook, they hook you at a, like a young age and, and, I mean, they don't even like hook you. You're like, oh, like, come watch a game. And it, I, I guess it speaks volumes to, you know, maybe why some of the younger kids don't really give a shit about the Toronto Maple Leafs, like especially in Toronto, because they just can't, you just can't go to a game. Yeah, it's just not can't. possible. It's like, like it's, it's truly not possible. Like, um, like, I, like th these are things like you take it, like you don't think about when you were a kid. Like, I remember like Mike Reese used to come out to the elementary schools and the middle schools and like to meet kids and like, do a lot of like, you know, the grassroots stuff to actually grow a fan base and like how much it actually takes because like, you know, it's back up to like right now, you know, the sharks are terrible. So like it's back up to the franchise to take people who have like this childhood experience of like enjoying hockey and like we want to go watch a good product and we want to watch it at home. So like, you know, we're ready here. We're adults now. We're making money. So we're ready to go watch. But the team's bad. So we'll, we've got to wait. I think that's why they brought in Mike Greer as the GM, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. he was like kind of part of, I mean, not obviously in like the 90s, but like he was a like a grassroots, like he was a guy that like gave it his all when he played for the Sharks in like the early slash uh, late 2000s, early, early 2010s. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I don't know what he like, how how good his GM skills are, but it's just nice to see them like continue to to keep that kind of in motion. You know what I mean? I think we have. I think we still have like Nabokov as our goalie coach too, or like he's bro. In the that's my favorite goalie of all so, time. Do you know that? Yeah. 
It's literally my favorite goalie of all time. Literally, man, he should have won the Vesna. I know, I know. That save it in the playoffs <laughs> against against uh, Richards. Yeah. It was like double overtime in Dallas. Oh yeah, the di- the diving save. But we lost that game, man. I am still, but that save was ridiculous, man. <laughs> you sound like a Maple Leafs fan, Brendan. You're like, well, that was great though. But yeah, we, we lost the whole thing. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, like, I remember when they made the the Sharks made the Stanley Cup, the final, and I was listening to Randy Hahn call it, and like, you could feel the emotion coming pouring out of the guy because like. He was like one of the guys who started the Sharks and like he watched and called every game to get to the point and it just felt so good. It just Crosby was too good that year and we just couldn't close it. But, you know, the same thing happened to the Ducks. They lost in their first Stanley Cup final and they took it home a few years later. So hopefully the same happens to us. So, you know, patience is everything. Fingers it's crossed for you. It's a conversation Cohen and I have a lot about the importance of the American market. Um you know, we've got our, our good buddies at the Hockey Card Gong Show representing the States as well. We saw a lot of people come in from the States uh, to the Sports Card Expo in Toronto. Um, it seems to be growing, and that's that's important. We're gaining some momentum. That You know, that is why, you know, I can kind of give it a pass when they're putting more uh, franchises in the States. It, 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 it's, it's this continued attempt to grow that the American market. I'd mentioned to Co earlier uh, a recent big sale of mine on on eBay. It's a pretty big Jason Robertson card that's now on the way to the states. Uh, I think a lot of people got into it during the the lockdown and started to explore hockey and uh, how exciting it can be. And they got a, a lot of a lot of players that are representing right now um, and uh, and and helping to to build that market now. A lot of people on the outside will, Miles, kind of compare that to soccer in terms of the hobby, just because of the fact that people are getting around to all these different non-traditional, quote-unquote, non-traditional sports. I never want to, you know, verbally bring down soccer. It's kind of funny, actually, when I look at your feed and I see, you know, autographs of of legendary people like Pele, not, not just soccer players, legendary figures. So growing up in Toronto, being a hockey fan, that's fine, but we were still very well aware of Maradona, Pele. I got into the World Cup in the 90s just because I decided one day I'm going to support Italy. I liked Roberto Baggio. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk to me after soccer, bef- talk to me after that or before that, and I'm really not interested. But <clears throat> the, the reality is the, the names, the, the, the legendary type of status is there for these guys. So... When you mentioned entering the market, you casually kind of mentioned you were going to try soccer. Was that just because of the fact that you liked soccer or did you feel that was a big hobby hobby opportunity? I mean, actually both of like qualities of both, to be honest with you. Like I grew up, so I'm Vietnamese. We root for France. Uh, We're like the country's a French colony. So we root for France in like international tournaments. So I grew up with, you know, soccer on TV, soccer around the house, growing growing up with it. But like, the accessibility level wasn't really quite there. I mean, hockey growing up, you know, as an American in the U.S. was way more accessible. And I really got into like, I was a short, like, I, I would say it was like a more of a fringe hockey fan through my like elementary, middle school years. And then when I got like high school, college years, I really got into hockey probably after. I mean, Joe Thornton was like a huge moment for becoming a becoming a hockey, becoming a hockey fan, like. It's just those moments where, you know, like your city finally landed a megastar, you know, like to make waves and announce themselves to be a player in the NHL. Because like, 
I grew I grew up as a Sharks fan, and you know my favorite player growing up was Eric Lindros. So like when when I go back and look at the history books, and I learned as a kid like the NHL ripped Lindros away from San Jose and gave him to Quebec. I was just like, what is happening here? This is a bunch of shit, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it's backwards. You know, I'm I not supposed to like this guy. I hate this. Yeah. So like you know, it was that whole like I was kind of like on the fringe about it, and then we got jumbo and then all of a sudden we go on those runs the team is amazing it's like you actually get to see you actually get to see hockey for what hockey actually is right you want a guy like the amazing team play the no look pass the guy who's ready to take the snapshot on the other wing guys streaking down the things like the perfect you know the perfect link up play all this stuff right yeah chichu Boyle, heatley i mean you guys brought in a bunch of names to surround them too yeah, and it didn't it didn't stop like the commitment the, the they were spending the money they wanted to put a good product on the ice like because like I didn't get to watch real hockey right like that's the thing like if you if you grow up a Canadiens fan if you grow up in the royalty cities if you grow up in like even the CHL or all this stuff you you know what good hockey looks like and for like me growing up in San Jose those early years it was like me watching MLS soccer it's not it's not the same. And it, it really wasn't. So like when I finally got to watch uh, soccer on TV, which was probably about like 2012, 2015, I'd already had a bona fide favorite player in Jumbo. And like that kind of playmaking ability is really what I enjoyed seeing. So like the players I gravitated to the most in in soccer were Mesut Ozil and, uh, and Xavi. Same kind of player, exact same kind of game just a different field and that's really what like introduced me to that love of the sport and I, I really grew it from there so to take that love for the sport and you know that grew over the years when I decided to get back into collecting I already had like an understanding of like collectible markets like what was going on with things like that and when I looked at soccer it's pretty unique because like there is no defined Americans collectible space because like you know if I were looking at say like the Marvel PMGs that popped off or like Star Wars cards now and like all these other fringe things people are looking at people weren't collecting Marvel PMGs to start right people have action figures you have comic books you have movie memorabilia you have all these other uh, venues of like collectibles that are competing against this one specific card it's not something that I wanted to jump out at and like it's something that was I felt entirely untapped because you have like an american collecting concept with the sport with all this upside that's really where that's really where i took it in and from there you learn that you know the collecting base is all over the world huge in asia huge in europe pretty big in south america like the peruvians open more 2018 world cup prism than you could shake a stick at but Mm. yeah it's weird it's different it's awesome It's, it's where i ended up love it yeah Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, you talk about some of the players that you collect. And I mean, if we look at from a like a dollar value um, in the soccer market, I mean, players that don't typically score the goals don't really have Mm. they don't command big premiums. You know what I mean? Like you can be an incredible midfielder generally speaking, and your card just might never reflect that. I mean, look at a guy like Tony Cruz, for instance. You know, the yeah, guy's won f- four or five Champions Leagues. Like, um, I'm pretty sure he won the World Cup, too. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, you know, one of 
definitely a world-class midfielder. And I mean, his cards are dirt cheap. Like, and I'm not telling anyone to go out and buy Tony Cruz, but I'm just saying that like midfielders in general, playmakers, they don't really command the same prices as, as you know, uh, imagine if uh, Suarez's rookie card was in like this year, you know, like mm-hmm. it would be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we saw the Julian Alvarez effect during the World Cup. Like, I mean, his card prices popped off because he scored, you know, five goals versus, I mean, Enzo's are yeah. just nowhere to be found, right? So even though Enzo won like the, the, the young player of the tournament, like that, it's usually a goals concept, right? So then the reason why I even bring this up is because I think it, it speaks to your like collector mindset in all of this. Um, And, you know, we can kind of talk about that and talk about, you know, one of the, you know, the not really having a finite, almost like guide, you know, in hockey, we have young guns, we have SB authentic, we have the cup, we have ultimate. And those are pretty much the big four. I mean, right. we, we talked a little bit about it before the show, and I hope you have the opportunity to share this on the show as well, but OPG platinum starting to creep up in there as well, but we don't really have like a set, like a tiered system for soccer. Do you know what I mean? And so, I think maybe one thing that's kind of preventing people from, and it's just stupid, but preventing people from buying maybe more soccer is, is just not really knowing if that stuff is going to be able to be resold moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, now I said, I think that's stupid because I mean, we you collect what you like. And I mean, realistically speaking, this is a hobby first and foremost, but I mean, I can understand having some reservation potentially on like eventually moving on from that and, and really not having much uh, of a market available. So how do you feel? Well, well, how about, hold on, if you don't mind, coach, go, how about this? Can I, can I give you um, yeah. a, a, an alternate version of what yeah. you just said and just throw it out there at miles yeah. and see how you respond to it in real time in a real one-on-one situation perhaps at a show at a store or or something like that where you know we really need to get away from saying anything negative about this hobby and we gotta make sure that uh you know we don't give a bad experience to people but beyond that i would never buy a soccer card and i don't like soccer and soccer cards aren't going to go up in value how would you respond to a a, an individual who speaks this way (laughs) well I mean, the first thing is that like soccer cards as a whole are still a brand new thing. Like the, I, I would say the, the first set in the ultra modern era for soccer is 2014 world cup prism. I would agree with and you. And like, yeah. that's, that's like the very first major release set. There were like some piecemeal stuff like tops made some premier league sets. You had like upper deck who tried to make some stuff in the early two thousands, but it was all hodgepodge. Nobody actually wanted to invest money into this space right and like the thing is is that like change is hard to accept and people don't under like if you're gonna if you're gonna try to like lean on to old stigmas of like what cards you're gonna collect then that's where you're gonna stay for basically forever right um how would tell how would talk to the guy in the store is that like i can bring up a hockey example but how we were looking at collecting but um this is like maybe 2017 2018 2019 I have a buddy I collect San Jose Sharks cards with on the side and um, we build our little Sharks PC together and we've been talking about cards for a long time and he never wanted to take it seriously. And at the time he was trying to rip 
boxes of 1718 SP Authentic to rip for Besser. And he's like, the boxes are getting crazy now. They're cutting down on the autographs. We're only getting like one or two a box, you know? And like, I don't even, he's like, I don't even think this Besser kit is that good. Like, why am I, why am I continuing to rip this product? Right. And yeah, he had a point, you know, and you know, I, I, we were looking through blowout one day and I made, I suggested him was like, why don't you rip 15, 16 OPG platinum instead of 17, 18 SP authentic? Cause they were the same price. And he's like, what a great recommendation. Yeah, nobody likes OPG Platinum. Uh, nobody like nobody likes Chrome and hockey. Nobody likes all the stuff we have our tiered sets out. I'm like, okay, you can think that way, and then or you can think that way and try to get a bunch of Brock Bessers, or at least we can stack up some McDavid rookies and have some fun with it. And he bought some boxes here and there. He enjoyed his rips. He got some nice. He got some nice uh, prisms or whatever they want to call it. And in his second lot of boxes, he got a black ice McDavid rookie auto to 99. And like oh. that basically, that <laughs> basically has like changed how he views all of collecting. Right. And like, you want to talk about a situation where you make your own luck because you change how change your perspective on things. Literally from that day forward, he's changed entirely how he like he broke out of the matrix, right? Like he stopped collecting the big four steps. He stopped, stopped collecting what everyone else told him to buy. And he started, he starts looking at things like completely objectively. And it's just like, I'm not one telling him what to buy. It's just, he just realized there's an entire world and 30, 40, 50, a hundred years of hockey cards being made in all these awesome sets. Why do we, why do I just have to buy the rookies of what everyone else is telling me to buy? Well, and, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how closed-minded some of our quote unquote hobby community leaders can be, you know, the same mm -hmm. people who will tell you on the one hand that you got to be positive and support the hobby and then have such narrow minded viewpoints, which I know coach co is really good at pointing out the fact that a lot of that is just content for clicks and yeah. for the engagement. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there are certainly some individuals, maybe one that I've already uh, imitated here on, on our show that that is very aware of that reality. But, you know, again, I, where I think things went off the rail and now here I am risking being the same person is when we started entering arenas like F1, like my goodness, I look, no judgment. I, I, I know people that are crazy F1 fans, but I mean, again, in the arena of associating cardboard with a sport, like Miles just said, hockey has that history. Look, it started as baseball cards. Most people say baseball yeah. cards. The average layman says baseball cards. But there's basketball, there's football, there's hockey. Soccer, in my opinion, just, just from my, my vantage point, has integrated much easier because of the fact that, okay, there's the sticker history. Mm -hmm. But like you said, starting 2018, you at least started to build up a bit of a, a cardboard history with a sport that has such a big net. Um, and it's not a huge leap from stickers to cards at all. Same, same manufacturer, same concept, same border. It's a rectangle with a border, right? So I, I think we kind of started losing the narrative when we started getting to F1. I know that just from hanging out at hobby stores, I see lacrosse, I see Call of Duty upper deck cards. Anyway. Yeah, they're trying, I, uh, like, like two things real fast too. Yeah. One, the sticker industry you talk about, nobody brings this up and it's, it's the thing that agitates me the most recently. The sticker industry you brought up became so wealthy that they literally bought out the entire sports card industry outside of hockey, right? Like, People continuously mock that sector of the industry, but yeah, when the sports card industry was on the on their knees, Panini came and bought out everything 
and that's why we're here where we are now. Like yeah, that's it a great wasn't, point. was not a small industry. And like, that's these a great things, point. And, yeah. and like I mentioned previously, there was a period of time where tops preferred to get that association with Panini and make stickers because the sales were better than cards. There's a couple yeah. years they didn't even bother making cards. Yeah. Top as, far as, hockey, as far as hockey goes. I yeah. also think it's important to note, like back to your point where, I mean, you kind of sh- shared your origin story with respect to like being a San Jose Sharks fan. In a lot of these places around the world, the entry point to be like a soccer fan or football fan, we're going to call it football, <laughs> is is actually quite low. You know what I mean? And a lot of these like small towns and stuff, like they like it's it runs deep. Like, I mean, it can't be that expensive to go to a, a game in like Medellin, you know, like a like a third division team or second division team. And it's like the entire team or the entire town or the entire city is like 100 percent behind these guys. Um Something that like, I mean, I saw people posting some of their tickets to some F1 races this year. And I'm like, how can anyone afford to go here on a regular basis? You know what I mean? Like the point of entry just to watch is like is significantly higher than it is with football. How about about playing it? You need a ball. You can Mm -hmm. outline a net with a chalk line or, you know, you're coming from some. I'm sure if you dig into some of the drivers and teams in F1, you're you're starting to trace some very wealthy lineages. Yeah a lot of sports like that but you just need a ball we played soccer at recess with a tennis ball and like draw drew lines in the ground (laughs) there you go but uh yeah so i think it's interesting i think it's um you know i mean much to your point as well like at panini stickers have been around like forever and then that's like where my origin story comes from as well so i it's going to be interesting to see how the sports or the soccer card market takes in the next i mean i'd say 5 10 20 years um and how many people you know just kind of bought into the hype or just wanted to rip for the sake of ripping uh or maybe you know thought that they would capitalize on the world cup upcoming and yep. i mean i saw recently uh it was either hockey cards gong show and or card ladder that posted that the l- largest decrease in the index for 2022 was soccer at like 38%, I think. Um, and so I'm kind of interested to see your take on, on where you see that market going. Sure. My, my simple take is that I think all the indexes that are built for soccer are built incorrectly because I think the people that are building the indexes for soccer have no idea what they're talking about or like what they're looking for in the cards. So how can you really build an index of the cards to accurately portray the market if you don't know what the market actually wants? And, you know, it's, yeah, that's my two cents. I challenge any of them, anyone out there building an index, put DM me and I'll tell you, I know and more about like, cards than you are. And I think your index is incorrect. But can you, know, you imagine, you know, like we're, we're you know, and, and with when it comes to these indexes and I think of like the the he who shall not be named, um, who sometimes defecates and creates, a, you know, a Star Wars index. Yeah, I saw um, that too. What a joke. It's two cents. <laughs> it's two cents. Come on, get out of here. We're, we're blindly relying on on these uh, these individuals who are creating these indexes and not really question, you know, there should be, I'm sure plenty of people are questioning it, but there should, that should be the the focal point is questioning these indexes, right? Despite well, yeah, I just, it, I wonder. Look great. I wonder what's in this index, that. you know? Community. I wonder what's in this index, of, like for soccer, is like Tops Chrome and like Prism and then like that's it or like... Uh, select maybe you throw in there as well i mean I've, I've i've literally come from a place where i was buying soccer cards in 2019 and i would go on terror peak and look at completed sales for soccer of the entire sport i check all the sales and i'd be like 
wow, there are a hundred soccer cards that sold today. That's a lot of soccer cards. And like now, yeah, there's probably like a thousand, you know, five, seven thousand cards sold daily, more, five thousand, who knows? Probably not five thousand, but you know, there's tons of cards sold every day. There's there's probably like four or five hundred cards listed on every so, like soccer cards listed on every PWCC weekly now. Like there's so there's so many liquidity outlets, so many people pushing through for money now. And like it's hard to gauge something so young and like so like because like okay, let, let me take this back to the hockey the, the hockey argument, right? Hockey cards have a legacy of upper deck producing cards for the better part of what 25 years now, right? And it's through like it's through that that buyers have the trust that this is the legacy brand and these are the brands that they want to collect to have long-term sustainability throughout time. And that's why we can accurately project that these are the sets that capture the market. That's fine. But when it comes to soccer, most of the sets have only been, like a lot of the good sets have only been released once, like Nobility, once, Treble, once, Flawless, once, right? How can I, like, and those are some of the most popular sets in the market and yet we're not capturing those in any indexes. But at the same time, we know that those brands may never be picked up again because the entire com the entire community could be turned on its head, and those sets may never be made again. So, how can you have any confidence? We're in year in year seven, eight. It's so new. It is so new. Like we're not there yet. We, to like to piggyback even more on this, something that has been irritating me about like people talking about like a World Cup boom for soccer. Well, I mean. People are baking in seasonality into a sport where the market didn't exist the last World Cup. The market couldn't have supported a World Cup auction, like a headline World Cup auction. It couldn't have supported any of these things. So like, if I can tell you from the trends from four years ago, it didn't exist to existing, how can you predict it's going to multiply exponentially because the event is coming again? You can't. That's like discernist at best. But yeah. Couple I mean, of newbie, couple of newbie thoughts slash questions here, sure. as it pertains to what Brendan mentioned in terms of the you know the market. I gotta wonder, and I mean this is kind of built in with every sport. There was a, a, a there was a group of people that came in, smelled the blood, and left. Now, what what percentage, roughly, approximately, would you say in the soccer market was people for coming in? blindly in the sense like for example a hockey collector a baseball collector mm -hmm. someone who only dabbles in basketball who got a little curious and decided to throw some money in versus people that truly were passionate about the cards and are still around what what roughly percentage that would be number one i'm trying to remember uh my number two based on the question the number two is what what is this and i, I mean this might be common knowledge but what is the status with the the soccer licenses has fanatics already kind of pinned that down or what's what's going on with that so two questions there. Okay. So to answer the first, um, coach, you can, you can agree. I, I want to say it's like maybe like 30% collectors were developed and like 70% of guys were like in it for the money. That's my yeah. guess. Yeah. I would say, and and I, it's almost like too general again to just be like of the, the whole market, because I just, I think that if you collect stickers and if you collect cards, I think that's like two very different things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and there are people who collect both. But and, and I do think a... that like the people who collect stickers, I mean, I think there's potentially more people that collect stickers today than there ever has been, which is crazy mm -hmm. because it's like it was always massive. Um, but I think that like the people who got involved with like 
like creating their World Cup books. And I saw a lot of people get their first World Cup sticker book and, you know, place stickers in them or buy packs. And they were very entertained in that manner. I think those people will probably be around next World Cup. And so that's my way of saying that that person is retained because, I mean, much, much to what you said, you know, it's an every four year thing when it comes to the World Cup, right? So like, that's the only way we can possibly track this thing at least with respect to like what i'm talking about in like the actual world cup um now in terms of cards you know let's say in four years time like how many people do i think bought like cards this time that are gonna buy next time i I, whatever it was i maybe cut it in half so like maybe 50 percent, maybe less um and it's also of course will depend on like the economy and stuff but like um I just don't think that people there weren't like distinct rookies to chase. It was probably like three, you know what I mean? And even of those three, like those three didn't really perform well during the world cup because I like to compare soccer prospecting to baseball Bowman almost. It's like you buy a player and it might be his rookie card, but this guy's, you're not going to see him come to full fruition for like five, six, seven years. The really good ones you'll see in like maybe two or three years. Maybe they're already playing. But the vast majority of them, you'll probably see them hit peak like four or five or six years later. Um, and so I think that's quite boring for for a lot of people. Um, you know, we talked about the the history of baseball collecting and and that's deep, right? That the history of baseball collecting is quite deep. Um, but even the the diehard baseball collectors, some of them still can't hack the, like the Bowman draft waiting period. Um, so yeah, I would, I mean, I agree with you uh, between like 50 and 70%, I think. Yeah. And then it breaks down even more to that because like, I'd say a huge, huge part of our card economy in soccer is propped up by Asians and like no, no, no data scraping tool domestically within the United States or Canada or any of those sites track any of the sales data that happens abroad or in any of these categories, right? Like it's literally not even being tracked. Like the huge amount of dollars that are being spent on like flawless or eminence or like all that high-end stuff that all exists in Asia, nobody captures it. Like imagine if like your data tool, right? Your data tool like card ladder or the other one that shall not be named. But like um, (laughs) imagine if they literally didn't track any of the cup sales for hockey and they're like, this is it. I would be like, that's insane. This is the best set in hockey. <laughs> like, why are you not tracking it? But like that, that's the thing. The demographics are not captured there. And like, and and on the other end too, like there's so much, like there's so much exciting growth that is going to be spearheaded by soccer in the international market. Right. Like I know one of the biggest hockey collectors in the world is um that guy out of China. Right. Like, oh, what's really? what can I think of? You guys are not familiar with this mysterious Shang, 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 Shanghai card collector. That's it. Shanghai card collector. He's legit. All he's right. got like, he's got a bunch of nice Crosby's and stuff. He's a huge fan, but like, like he's a product of the card industry going into a new market and developing that one whale. Right. And that's like a huge prize as to like years of work to get someone of his stature interested in buying hockey cards. Right. And in this other example, I'm going to bring you, uh, Ronaldo just went to Saudi Arabia, right? And this is the golden goose that a lot of collectibles industries have been trying to break into. Like they're 
like Pokemon, I think is in, uh, like the comic book industry is in, but like getting a premier athlete, probably one of their favorites into the Arab world where they can actually go and see him play locally for a price that they actually can afford. We have long-term effects in developing a fan base of people. I don't know how many of them will collect cards. I don't know how many of them will collect stickers, but these are events that I'm excited to see what transpires in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, are saying he chased the bag, and he did. Um, he did. But he's also, I mean, he's got nothing left to prove, quite honestly. And, I mean, like you said, he's he's going to go develop uh, an entire you know, an entire part of the world football. Squad's an entire decent. Part have of you world, seen, have man. you seen, have you seen the no. team that he's no, on? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't he's got no. some players. They're, say, no. they're saying that they're going to try to sign uh, Marcelo and Ramos in the next window. Like they're going to go deep. Like they, you know, they don't spend, you don't spend a billion dollars on Ronaldo and surrounding jumps. Right. I know, but it's kind of like the same thing when, I mean, players started gravitating towards the MLS, right? Like those players yeah. had to take that first step and they developed that, that market. And I mean, you said that you couldn't Beckham, watch Beckham and MLS. Yeah. 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 I mean, you said it was a lot harder to watch, soccer than it was hockey in the states and i find that crazy to believe you know what i mean like but i mean i'm sure you're right and and it's just hard to look at that from from the perspective that we have now because the mls is such a i mean it's it's big now the mls yeah. is, has become quite prominent the u.s is about to host a, a world cup i mean we're we're going to join you but it's a vast majority going to be played in the in the united states um and so, I mean, there's a lot to be said about developing markets in in other parts of the world. Like, like you know how many you know how many little kids are going to be inspired by Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies in Canada to drop the puck and to go play soccer instead. Like, that's like an influx of talent that 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 Canada is it Canada soccer is that yeah. what you guys call yeah, it? I think yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Sorry, like Canada soccer. Like, that's an influx of talent that they haven't had, or like an influx of kids that actually want to play that sport that will substantially develop that pool but that's the thing like the more time in soccer you spend the the more you realize how long the game really is to develop you know like how committed you have to be because like like cartel i don't know I, I i i hate to assume but i don't think you know very like do you know a lot about like soccer history or like how they develop nations and stuff the, but, the very the very basics i i don't have that background in soccer no so so basically, like um, why why Pele is so famous is that he developed Brazil into like he moved Brazil into like status among the world because of how good Brazilians were. Like he was, they had the pressure of performing well at the World Cup to make their country known as like a world economy, a world thing, right? Because they were destitute, and it's the same thing that like. Qatar was trying to prove when they like we can talk about all the human rights violations and all that other stuff but that's what they were trying to prove by entering into the western world like they've been trying to host a major event for the better part of 30 years and that started with like investing on shirts investing on talent naming stadium rights and they bought teams and then they bought media rights and then finally they were able to host the world cup like it's a long process and like that took 30 years just to get to this point. And now they have like literally the Arabic world went from like hosting tournaments, owning teams to hosting the world cup. And now they have another crown jewel and signing one of the biggest players in the world. Right. Like it's so much work. It, it, it It's just so different because like when you talk about hockey, Canada, they're the institution of the world. If you talk about like the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, they are the institutions of the world. But 
when it comes to these other sports, we're not. And I don't know if like both of our countries have the patience to see us grow as a power, but you know, I've kind of learned to enjoy the ride and I love it. Maybe I have a more of a, maybe I have more of that kind of streak. Cause I'm like a U.S. hockey fan too. And we've always been number two, number three, number five, you know, yeah, never number one, but you know, it, we win sometimes, right? Win I sometimes. think the U.S. has a, has a much more likelihood of being patient here because of, I mean, the MLS, right? Like as long as the academies are being built, cause I think that's what it comes down to is like, as long as you guys are continuing to scout players, um, I mean, I can't imagine a national team in 20 years time that that isn't significantly better than it is today. Like, I, I want to believe that the byproduct of today's players are because of the investments that they've made in the MLS Agreed. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 14 years ago, eight years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. when Nesta comes over, when when Ibrahimovic comes over, when mm-hmm. Beckham comes over, like you mentioned, like all those are are kind of they set the the ground, the groundwork. Um same for that like, like we can draw the same line and say when Gretzky was traded to LA right like how like I I've seen all the stats like hockey in LA is or hockey in Southern California is one of the most popular played sports like we're talking about Jason Robertson on the podcast like literally a Filipino kid from Southern California is one of the hottest stars in the NHL that is a yep. love story written signed and delivered by Wayne Gretzky right there's no absolutely. other way. Yeah, absolutely, man. That, that was an organized, you know, that the whole Gretzky deal was a very orchestrated, organized, purposeful move. Yeah. But I remember it was shocking to kids in, in Canada at the time. Not to hijack the conversation, John. No, no, that's... Yeah, no. I put myself in a position where I have to change my name to Cage Cartel, potentially, but uh, uh, just on the tip of being a UFC fan and collector, when Miles mentioned, you know, it's funny, like, you put something into a historical kind of context of Pele, it totally makes sense to me. I wouldn't have th- initially thought about it that way, but opening the world, the, yeah. like opening Brazil to the world and how important that is on an economic level and just in general for Brazil. I would venture to say I'm not a historian and I'm maybe getting something wrong here, but there was probably a large gap eventually of a few decades. The next time Brazil had a big entry point into the sports world would be the Gracie family, Coyce Gracie and yeah. the UFC. And there's a lot of interesting parallels there because like you mentioned, soccer breaking into such a huge market and such a desired market right now. You see the WWE messing around with uh, mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia shows. That's something that UFC has been doing for for the past uh, decade is breaking into that market and, again, expanding the overall appeal. I mean, I think UFC is just on a level people don't understand. You're starting to talk about religious uh, religious backgrounds, national backgrounds, um, you know, sexual orientation. I mean, UFC is covering all the bases in such a profound way. I think that the the the, the pushback is a little bit because of the, the inherent violence. But although I could argue there's an inherent violence in soccer, because every time I turn it on, I see guys writhing in pain. Um, seems so violent to me, guys. But anyway, <laughs> I think you see what I'm saying in terms of uh, you know a, a, a sport like that opening up the market. How I think they're they're legitimate, and there's not enough people opening their eyes, uh, there's too much mockery, there's too much uh, doubt when it comes to certain markets like soccer and UFC. Obviously, hockey has the advantage of, I think people do take it, I don't I don't think anyone doesn't take hockey seriously. They put it in the back seat, but, um, but there is so much potential in a market uh, like the soccer market, you know? And I, I can see that even as someone who's not involved in it or collecting it. Yeah, I think anyway. the big thing with UFC is just kind of like, you know, does... 
is there a history of like collecting cards that's like associated oh, with the sport? Yeah, and, and, you know what I mean? Out of everything we, we've spoken about, UFC is the newest thing that there is. No, 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 for sure. For sure. I'm not. And like, ultimately, I mean, the worst thing that happens you is you end up with a bunch of really cool collectibles that you wanted yeah. to own anyway. Do you know what but I mean? So like, I do, I do there's, no, think... there's no loss here. I mean, we talked about yeah. I mean, Miles's origin story buying, you know, players that like, if you look at, you know, from a dollar point of view, I mean, they might not be the most desirable players, but they're desirable for him. And that's all that goddamn matters. Yeah, I, I do think there's a huge advantage to that, that because UFC is so new. So you could track it back technically to like 92 because we got we got to find something that we can use to to start mixed what martial arts. Were, what were the first cards? 2011? Yeah, this bloodline, right? First cards are 2009. 2009. So that's what I'm trying to say is yeah. that that's not that far off. Yeah. And 2009 was significant. It was a high point in the popularity. Ultimate Fighter was getting high ratings as, as mm-hmm. a quote unquote reality show. So if you look at it from the, the breakthrough, the cards have always been there. Yeah. So there, there is a lineage there. And I like, I like to hear people um, focusing on those initial pops releases and talking about some of the legends like the Gracie's Randy Couture. And that's a good, healthy thing, right? Chuck you don't Liddell. Want to focus on the prospects you want nice to go. With. But let, yeah. Chuck Liddell is a huge one, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's all positive. And that, and that's why, and it's funny. I don't see a lot of material out there where, I don't see anyone saying, you know, uh, I would never buy a UFC card. I think because he himself collected them back in the day. But nonetheless, my, I know my. Well, I mean, before. to be honest, I think that they. I mean, they almost did. The, they almost did it a disservice. I don't even think it was on the list. I don't think that UFC slash boxing was on the list at all. I don't all. think it's developed to that point yet. But uh, where there's a an index or whatever it is, guys. What do you think in terms of? Uh, uh, look, it's the new year. What are well? Let's 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 reflect on this past year to a degree, and uh, let's talk about some hobby New Year's resolutions. How about that? I'll go first. Uh, I'll go first with uh, a New Year's resolution. Uh, my New Year's resolution is to rip more product. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rip more product. I think I honestly got to think that that prices are gonna come down. Um, and they've already kind of started, started to come down, but I, there's always something that you can find that's probably undervalued or, uh, just like a pretty fun rip in general. Uh, so I don't necessarily mean that I'm going to rip, you know, ultra modern or like product that's just coming out, but, or eminence or any of those crazy things. But I, I definitely think, um, and the reason why I mentioned this is because over the break I ripped a few tints. And uh, I mean, you almost forget how how great it is to to just like attempt to open or open something, and like there's that that thrill of the hunt. I mean, now obviously you don't want to get too wrapped up in that, but it is a massive component in the hobby. And I mean, I still have to show my support. Uh, that being said, though, I I will not be showing my support if if the boxes are ridiculously overpriced or the quality control is shit. So if any manufacturer somehow rolls through this podcast and gets to the forty five minute mark, you know. I will not be supporting you if you have shitty quality control and your MSRP is too high. So that's my uh, my hobby resolution. And um, 2022 was interesting. 2022 was a lot of fun for me because, uh, I mean, on topic with having uh, Miles here, uh, it was the first time that I got people actually asking me questions about soccer just in general. 
uh, I, I found out to be, it was really fun actually just having people ask me about soccer and ask me about, you know, the heritage of, you know, this player's card or what, like, what's the earliest, you know, f- where's the earliest appearance of this player. And a lot of people were asking me about stickers and, uh, you know, people's eyes wandered a lot in the space and, and I found it to be really cool. So I know we talked about how, you know, 50, 50 to 70% of people are leaving and this is all just obviously an approximation. Um, but for the 30% that stick around, I'm very excited uh, to continue to have conversations with you all and uh, to see how you curate your sets. So uh, that's one of the things that I, lo- I enjoyed the most about 2022. Yep. Miles. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to stop getting caught up in the BS and focus on what I really want to get focused on. And that's becoming a better everything inside this space because like, you know, the worst part about getting caught up in social media and especially everything that goes on or like what everyone talks about is the crazy thing is, is that most of the people who have loud voices, they're generally irrelevant. Like, like cartel, I look at your post history and like you've been posting about cards longer than most of these influencers have been in the space period, man. Like why do these guys voices matter? And the end of this, the end of the day is that they don't. I connect like we became instant friends because we I opened my mouth and you can tell that I've been knee deep in cards. I've been knee deep in this space. Like I love this space. And like the real people in this space, they all have less than a thousand followers. They all like don't really care about showing off their cards. They don't care about doing all those things. And like the thing I want to get back to is like the things that matter because like, you know, like I don't want to say that it like is going to spell out financial success in the long term but the thing that is going to give me the most financial success is becoming the best collector i can be and like in the space of like what i've built or like how i approach the space with the knowledge that i have man if i took my amount of money that i went into with soccer and tried to go into big three sports i'd be a nobody you know you'd be like just another one of those guys you'd end up nowhere you would have probably lost your money and done all that stuff but because i applied all the things i knew about collecting now I have this, I have so many cards or so many things to be grateful for to just move forward. Like I literally don't care how much money I lost, like how much money like you lose theoretically and like value or all those things. It's just all of a sudden I have a lot of respect for people that I respect or like, like right now, like we're having this dialogue and like, this means the world to me to know that guys that are knee deep in this space, I can just walk up to a conversation and appreciate those and that's what I want to do. Appreciate the collector way more than I have. It's awesome. Love it. A lot of what you said. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, what were your favorite part of twenty twenty two? But you gotta, you're gonna rebut, and then we can go to his favorite part like, of twenty twenty two. Miles kind of combined the two. I guess quite, so. Yeah, quite, man. Quite deft, I guess so. Deftly there, actually. Um, and and I'm gonna do the same. Uh, if if that's kind of what you were shooting for there, Miles, because uh, I'm just gonna resonate on what you just said. One of my best, one of the best things I could tell people right now in terms of if you are looking back on 2022 and I'm going to, I'm going to make it 2020 to 2022, forget it. Just try to forget it. I'm sure that a lot of us have a lot that we'd like to forget over the last few years. And if you're going to use it as any sort of guidance or any sort of pattern builder for the next year, you're going to have some big problems. It's in my opinion, we're, we've got a mysterious and exciting blank sheet to work with. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the noise has led to the fact that, look, at, at this point, after those 
crucial years. The people that are around right now, we've kind of figured them out. Uh, for, for good or for bad, we've figured you out. Um, we, we know where people stand, so to speak, with how they've reacted, what they've posted, their, their takes, right? Are they of the take that it's all doom and gloom and I have all these regrets? Or are they of the take that I'm excited to see what's happening and I like what's happening in my space, whether it be soccer, whether it be hockey, or whether it be the general community, right? And then as far as like personal um, resolutions, like Brendan mentioned, it's hilarious. I wrote down break less. He's telling me he wants to break more. Uh, maybe that's just on account of our experiences. But I like what you said. If it's an interesting rip and affordable, I'm more open to it than ever because I want to have that element of fun in my collecting and in the hobby. And there's a lot of fun rips out there. Uh, I mean, in baseball and hockey, and I'm sure in soccer, just, um, just, just like the year, I just like we most. talked about, just like we talked about before, right? Like, do you want to yeah. be, do you want to be the guy ripping SP Authentic for one auto, or do you want to find another product that might give you a little more value, a little more go. exciting? Like, I mean, the cup, the cup's coming out, and it's gonna be an arm and a leg. I mean, how yeah. how hot was stature for a minute, right? People love that stuff. Yeah. It was like a hundred bucks a box. It wasn't bad. Yeah, wasn't bad. I mean, that was you know a function of upper deck the way they're releasing things, right? And that just, but I I was super happy that people were loving stature because I the worry was because of the weird release uh release schedule. I was I was concerned about my beloved hockey community, but they took to the products that were available, which is important. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's that's all good stuff. Um, I mean, even Clearcut did some damage this year, man. Absolutely, yeah. And again, timing with the release schedule, but it's good to see that people embraced it the way the way that they did. Um, yeah. So, Brent, I don't know if you uh, if you if if you're ready uh, to wrap. Uh, I might have to be. Yeah. No, we sure are. <laughs> you know, we sure are. But I love that we had uh, such a great collector and uh, and and a great uh, thinker as well because I learned a lot today and I really appreciate it on the level of. Regardless of the fact that I am the interviewer interviewee, I really appreciated this conversation today. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, so uh, I think that's all we're left to do here is uh, a nice little plug for you, man. So where can we find you? Where can we contact you? Where when, where can we ask you questions about the space? And No. <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> my, insta my, Instagram, yeah. my Instagram is LAFC Gooner. I also run, like, on my stories, I also do, like, uh, a, kind of have a daily news feed, kind of, like, just bullshitting about soccer. So it's kind it's of fun. It's not bullshit, you man. It. It's, it's, all, it's quality stuff. It's quality <laughs> stuff. Please give him a follow. I'll make sure to tag him below. <laughs> Team, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope that we provided some value for you today. For now, have yourself a wonderful rest of the day. The Cardboard Coaches are out of here. <laughs>